Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, joining us for today's episode is Kev Ryan of United, who is an accountant turned entrepreneur and who is now in the business of helping accounting practices grow through mergers and acquisitions. So in this episode, Kev talks to us about what makes selling accounting practices different from any other type of businesses and the sorts of things that accounting firms can do to get higher valuations at sale. We'll also discuss other ways accountants can build their income annuity stream as an alternative to selling when selling may not be the best thing to do. We then flip over to the buyer's side and identify the buyer demographic for accounting practices in the market. And finally, we wrap up this episode with some examples of transactions that went really well and those which went tremendously wrong with some great tips for all of our listeners out there. So don't go anywhere. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Kev, hi. Thanks so much for coming along to The Deal Room today to talk about this uh, exciting topic relating to accounting practices. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Okay. My absolute pleasure. So today's topic is all about buying, selling and merging accounting practices. So maybe you can start it off a bit with your background. Why is it that you're, I guess, qualified to talk about this topic with accounting practices? Yeah, sure. In the uh, mid-90s, I started in the tax profession as a tax lackey. Uh, tax man by trade, if you like, and in the late 90s, uh, got involved in what is referred to in the industry as fee funding. And up until the GFC in 2007, late or 2008, I ran and owned uh, the country's biggest fee funder called Smart Fee. Right. Fascinating. Uh-huh. So you're, so you're an entrepreneur, sorry, you're an accountant first and then an entrepreneur basically <laughs> into the accounting community. And, and then now you've sort of come full circle and you're now dealing with buying and selling emerging accounting practices. Yeah. How it turned out is in that mid, mid 2000s on the back of the smart fee business, we'd implemented that payment system into 600 plus accounting firms Australia wide. And I'd learned a lot about. Uh, accounting businesses that way and and how to, I guess, improve uh, and, and value them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, uh, on the back of the, the business, had okay cash flow and I thought that I might start uh, a suburban type roller and uh, in that process thought if I was a practice broker of choice, I might get to see things I'd want to buy before anybody else and uh, buy them. Uh, get paid to sell the ones I, I didn't want to buy, which was a nice way of closing the loop. And mm. I started the journey then. Uh, but GFC and uh, some resulting uh, uh, career moves in and around that for a while. I had a bit of time off after GFC. And I started in 2010 uh, back into the industry with Buy, Sell, Merge, Proprietary Limited and pitched myself as a practice broker. And since 2010, I've been doing that somewhat successfully. <laughs> 
Fabulous. Okay, gosh, that's a that's an interesting history, Kev. I uh, I like it. There's so many <laughs> different elements there, and what what a, you know? I, I guess you've really found a way to meld your interest in accounting with also a little bit more of an entrepreneurial side. Is that is that how you view yourself? Oh, I guess I haven't thought about that too much. How I sort of view myself, other than just trying to help accountants uh, get ahead. Um, in more recent times, we've. We launched Merge to Retire, which was aimed at the 60-plus-year-old suburban accountant, sole practitioner, uh, with no succession opportunities. And uh, that's that's been very rewarding because you can seriously affect someone's retirement plans yeah. and outcomes. And and we team them up with the aspiring. So the you know the aspiring and retiring coming together uh, is a rewarding way to spend the day. That's a that's a really good cash phrase. I like that. The aspiring and retiring coming together. I love it. I really like it. Okay, so maybe if we can then have a quick look at what makes an accounting practice different to sell, do you think, than any other type of business? Uh, at the moment, just demand from buyers. We have a general practice broking side to our uh, business broking business and uh, the lead times and the hunting for buyers is nothing like it is in the accounting space. There's a hundred buyers lining up uh, for, you know, to purchase what I would consider pretty ordinary accounting businesses every right? day of the week. Yeah, wow. the, the demand is, is crazy. Wow. And it comes, comes from all places. It comes from, you know, accountants struggling with organic growth or, or marketing and think that the way to bulk up is by way of acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, with an aging demographic, uh, blooding young partners in is sometimes difficult for people to divvy up the pie. So they think that if they acquire an extra parcel of fees, it's a way of getting that next younger partner in. Mm. And then demands come uh, tra- traditionally and historically from other professionals as well. And the, the first one there and the obvious one is financial planners. Mm. But in more recent times, you've seen, uh, say, some of your, your property distribution businesses that can get a really quick return on half a million, million bucks in fees. And most times represents quite a number of client groups. They've only got to sell a few properties and they've recouped their purchase price. Right. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? So they're really looking at buying a, well, I guess really a access to a client list. Is that? Well, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's exactly right. So when you're accounting, selling an accounting business, you're um, really selling to the next person an opportunity to continue marketing professional services to a list of clients. That, that's what it is. That's, that's what the mm-hmm. transaction is. That's what the goodwill is. So, so the property guys are able to leverage on a bit of the trust that's being built up to maybe shortcut some of the fears around property investment because it's mm. coming from Bob Jones, the accountant that we've had for 30 years. It, it's an easier marketing distribution tool. Fascinating. That really is fascinating. So what sort of multiples are you seeing at the moment in, in terms of what, you know, catting practices could look to achieve if they're looking to um, hit the market? There's a couple of things there. So there is some listed players. So their multiples are more in line with traditional uh, listed company multiples, mm. um, which skew things in a, in a huge direction. Mm. And some of these have actually been driven by overseas venture capital groups at the moment. So right. um, those guys are willing to pay well above the odds. Right. There then is about a line in the sand at 1.2, 1.5 million in fees where it goes from the yardstick industry rule, which is cents in the dollar, 
to people looking at multiples of return, you know, profitability. Mm. And it really is probably, in my experience anyway, been about that 1.2 to 1.5 million. So in, up to there, which is the majority of the industry, it's cents per dollar. And then people are looking at uh, returns. But if you go traditionally, someone back in history made this rule that a third, a third, a third, so a third <laughs> uh, expenses, labor, and then profit. So three times earnings, you'd back at nearly a dollar per dollar anyway. So mm, Yeah. But then with the, with, with the use of technology and parcels of fees being transportable because of that and then, you know, bolting on to better systems, uh, we're seeing one, one, you know, $1.20, $1.30, $1.50 even if the business is a really good one and plug and playable. If you're a suburban guy, you're probably still getting nearly a dollar for your fairly ordinary business just because of the need, the demand. And so here, in terms of accounting practices, are you saying dollar for dollar revenue? Are you talking dollar for dollar profit? Dollar for dollar revenue. So if wow. it's a million dollars in fees, uh, the, the vendor is getting a million dollars. Wow. that <laughs> That's astounding. If only it was the same for legal practices. Let's not go there. I'm happy to if anyone wants help on the legal side to um, increase multiple. <laughs> so let's talk, um, you know, maybe for our listeners who might be accounting practices out there who are interested, maybe in considering the concept of a sale, what can they do to make themselves more attractive to this uh, much higher multiple environment? Well, there's a whole bunch of things you can do, but the first question I ask of vendors is, you know, why are we selling? Because it's okay to get a million bucks for your million dollars in fees, but where are you going to get a return? Like even a fairly ordinary accounting business should be outperforming property stocks and obviously cash. My first question, if anybody rings me to say I want to sell my accounting business, is okay, well, why? And is selling the best thing to do? Mm. Because, you know, you can re-engineer your accounting business and almost turn on an annuity stream. And I asked the question of the older guys as well, which is how Merge to Retire came to the part. It's a program that we run for the 60-plus-year-old accountants with no succession plan. Uh, why sell if you can bolt it in and get a lifetime value out of it until you're really ready to hang up the boots? Because um, you know, older practitioners make really great business advisors mm. and you can, you know, take all what we call away, take all the noise away uh, and go to two or three days of quality, meaningful work a week. And you can do that to your 70. And so, and what does this look like? What are ways for, for them to, as you say, build their annuity stream, income stream into the future? How do you recommend building in the way for accountants to take most advantage of that concept? You either, you know, you either give your own patch a, 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 a refreshed coat of paint and uh, install the new kitchen yourself, or, or you partner with somebody <laughs> that's either you know, well advanced in that process. So, again, merging uh, uh, the aspiring and the retiring together is, is our answer to that. It's a lot easier to do let someone with the energy, uh, if you don't have it, some, some I know some outstanding 60-plus-year-old accountants with cracking accounting firms, but they're in the minority. So you know, I always suggest find someone with the youth and enthusiasm and maybe across the technology a little better to come and um, – you know, integrate the older guys' client base in so that it becomes more profitable day one um, and then is sustainable over a long period of time, move from compliance work to advisory work and um, both parties should be pretty happy and you'll find the clients are happier because they're finally getting some 
service, which traditionally they might have been missing out on because it's all been too hard for old Bob. You make it sound so easy, Kev. Is it really that easy? <laughs> oh, it could go tremendously wrong. Um, uh, and, I, and I've seen it and we're currently working with one of our clients who's on the acquiring side mm. uh, deal with a uh, 65-year-old supposedly retiring client that <laughs> Uh, pulled out of the contract uh, the very next day. They signed it one day, one afternoon, and by 9 o'clock the next morning, uh, the older gentleman had reneged. Wow. So, you know, there was tens of thousands of dollars worth of professional fees and mm. time and energy in the courting and then producing the contract that's signed and the next day the mm. guy doesn't show up mm. uh, because he's had a panic attack. It can go spectacularly wrong, mm. which is why planning and taking the time to ensure what's effectively a marriage, you know, both parties are keen to jump into bed. Mm-mm, that's interesting. I, I've actually never seen in all of my years um, doing this sort of work, I've never actually had that exact sort of scenario where someone signed a contract and the next morning that's it, they're, they're trying to pull it. But I've certainly seen many, many instances of buyers feeling a bit of, of that emotional tug, either – as they near that point of signing the contract or indeed, you know, are once the business has passed over because, you know, it can be a very emotional process taking something that effectively has been like your baby for many years and then, you know, dealing with your own, I guess, individual transition issues. But I guess that's why people are looking to build their business, uh, in this case, an accounting practice for sale. It's so important to um, be really clear on what your own motives are for, for going through the process and then keep them really front of mind. Is that what you think too, Kev? Oh, absolutely. And our starting point is what we call discovery, which is a uh, intensive planning process and, and initial sessions around all the why what are you going to do, how are you going to do it in transition and and then if you actually fully retire. There's a huge psychological piece that became very clear to me probably four or five years ago with these um, older professionals because their identity, their individual personal identity has been tied Mm. to this small Mm. parcel of clients um, for such a long period of time. They wake, you know, they do the deal on Friday, they wake up Monday, put their slippers on and they go, well, who am I now? Mm. I used to be Bob the accountant and now I'm Bob the retiree. Mm. It it takes tremendous planning to ensure that the steps are done properly Mm. um, and the outcomes are are sustainable and and what people actually desired at at the starting point. And and I think also too is that this, the letting go, um, and and sole practitioners are sole practitioners for a reason. And sometimes uh, parts of those reasons is that they can't get on with others and they mm. can't delegate. They're control freaks, and you know, the transition um, process just multiplies some of these psychological failings, if you like, or, mm. or areas that haven't been properly addressed. And the planning is critical, like mm. anything. Yeah, I, I must say, I was actually thinking that as you were talking about this alternative to selling, being, you know, bringing on some new youthful energy. But of course, one of the issues in that in holding on to the business, you know, sometimes you might have a real juxtaposition between the positions and the drives and the motivations between people who are effectively business partners now. So I, I guess there's a lot to manage. And so in our Merge to Retire program, we address these things and agreed periods 
and outcomes with the, with both parties. So we might say that there's a two-year transition and things have to happen. If not us personally, we team the clients up with a mediator, a professional peer-to-peer type relationship where at trigger points might be three months, six months, and 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, the parties come together with this mediator to make sure things are actually happening. And if you've got the contract of sale right, you can exit, you can enforce penalties, if uh, you, know, you bring Bob in as a tuck in for his retirement planning and he doesn't play ball, um, well, he can be penalised and, and exited. Mm. Yeah, the, the passing of control is very, very important. The the acquirer can't be seen or feel like a junior partner. Mm. Um, you know, he needs to be in control. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Let's take a short break. When we get back, we flip over the discussion to the buyer's side of the transaction. Kev talks about the acquirer demographic for accounting practices in the market and the sorts of things buyers ought to look out for. We then go through some examples of deals which went really well and those that went horribly wrong. (laughs) And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki and you're listening to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Welcome back. Earlier, we talked about Kev's background and how he got involved in the M&A space. Kev then talked to us about the massive demand for accounting practices out in the market and the multiples that we're seeing in this space. We also identified ways accounting practices can make themselves more attractive and increase their value at sale. And just before the break, we also talked about other ways accountants can build their income annuity stream in cases where selling isn't the best thing to do. Now, let's jump back to our conversation with Kev and flip over to the buyer's side of the deal. We've talked a bit, I guess, about the side from the seller's side. What about the buyer's side? What What are things that acquirers should be looking out for if they're thinking of getting into, let, let's say, and, you know, we've discussed that there's different types of acquirers here, but, but let's take your example of the young gun here. What characterizes them, I, I guess, someone that ha- has a bit of experience under their belt but now wants to be part of the ownership? Is, is that what that type of acquirer usually looks like? Not not necessarily. They're definitely part of the acquiring de- demographic. Someone that's jumped ship and can see the value in some infrastructure and uh, a client base. Generally speaking, though, the, the people I'm seeing in that space are 
you know, say let's call it 40 years as a uh, as a, as an age demographic that have been in second tier, might be travelling an hour each way to the office to work mm. for a boss they don't really like. Um, there's no equity opportunity there. Uh, ever and if you did you'd have to remortgage your house twice to actually buy in and you're still <laughs> going to be a junior partner why would you do that and so those people I think are really disillusioned and they can step out of those city firms and buy someone in the suburbs and be able to pick their kids up from school um, so I think the older so that you know the 40 to 50 year olds might be doing that but the 25 year olds it's never been easy for them to start an accounting business you get your tax agent number you're away and you can service probably double uh, in terms of what you're earning as an employee pretty quickly from working three days a week at the cafe in your, in your thongs. <laughs> so those, those types of guys are, are not really acquiring because they don't see the value in it. I'd probably argue that there's a mix for them and an opportunity for them um, if they sought the right ageing, retiring partner. Your typical buyer is a lateral merge so like for like or a bigger firm looking for tuck, uh, tuck in to bulk up. The starting point we always do with them is the why. Again, why, why, why are you looking to acquire? What are the alternatives uh, of, of investing money back into the firm for other things? And, and most importantly, my first question to you is, do you already have a tremendously well-performing accounting business? Because if you don't, What's the point of adding top line revenue to something that's not not firing? Mm, that's a really good point. And so, what if someone comes to you with that sort of scenario? What do you do then? I mean, do, are there ways that you're able to help them, or is it send them off to practice building type work? Well, some people can't be helped. <laughs> <laughs> some people can't be helped. They, they won't change, or they think they know it all. So, some people can't be helped. But those that are willing to listen and get some advice, we just go through um, the obvious parts to, to the accounting business. You know, what's working, what's not, what are the opportunities being left on the table, how efficient are we in in producing our core activities and, and still today the core activity is tax compliance. Mm. A lot of professionals think that they're exactly that, a professional, but they're really missing the point that the, the business of accounting is manufacturing tax returns and the people that are getting the most out of it have taken a manufacturing view to data in, data manipulated, data lodged to the ATO and get paid. Mm. You know, it's manufacturing mm. 101. So you can start there and get some early wins and then you can say, okay, well, what type of client do we like and how are we getting those? Who's qualified to do some other stuff? Have we asked the clients what they want from us? There's a tremendous amount you can do with a fairly stable uh, and existing accounting business, especially over a million dollars revenue, mm. before you even need to go on a purchase. Mm. That's a really good point. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, that acquisition is sometimes looked to as a strategy, but you're saying really you need to make sure you ha your own house is in order first before you pumping more business into it from an acquisition. That'd be my advice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. And then m maybe if you can just leave us with a couple of examples that you've seen in this area of an acquisition or a merger that's gone really 
really well and, and, you know, any lessons out of that that might be useful to pass over to our listeners. And then maybe also on the flip side, an example of something that has gone tremendously poorly and anything we can pull out of that for usefulness into the future. Yeah, well, um, I've touched on the spectacular fail um, from that Merster Attire example where a younger gentleman spent a lot of time and effort courting and engaging with a older gentleman for uh, the purpose of managing their succession and retirement issues um, and six months later signed a contract and the very next day the older gentleman reneged. So that's when it can go tremendously wrong. When it goes right though, it's really one plus one equals three or possibly four and I had the pleasure of being involved with a transaction in Brisbane, two partner firm rolled into a much bigger firm, and um, 12 months later, everybody is super happy mm. because those guys were already successful. Um, the two partner firm, really great firm, really great guys, good team, very profitable, and doing some interesting things. But the clout came from when you can check your ego at the door and, and get on a bigger bus. Mm. The going from one to to uh, partners is a, is a sometimes a hard leap for someone, but if you get it right, yeah. taking you know two and a half million dollar turnover to, to three or four millions is, is a lot easier um, because there is an IT person, there is a HR person, yeah. there is a marketing person, yeah. you know, there's a CFO. The noise is taken away from the individual partners so they can go out and do what they want to do, which is grow their business yeah. and their teams. So if you're not hitting at least the three in merging, um, why bother? Mm. Um, and when you're acquiring, it's spend the time, uh, which nobody seems to do because of the hot market. People are doing acquisitions with almost no due diligence. Wow. But I'd suggest uh, get your house in order so that you've had the luxury of not rushing into something. Court your vendor over an extended period of time. Uh, make sure you've got a good contract over you know, 12 months, 24 months, and integration is is well thought through before any any money is exchanged. Mm, they are fabulous tips, Kev, and um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Now, you've got a, um, a bit of a seminar coming up where you talk about these sorts of issues. Is that something that you're happy to talk about today if people are yeah, interested? Yeah, sure. So in October, um, we're going to invite 100 of the country's best accountants at our little mini conference. It's a one-day intensive called Aspiring or Retiring. It's focusing on the future advisor and what that looks like uh, for everybody, regardless of where they're at in their career. The tax uh, is the cornerstone of what we've been doing for ages, but it is uh, it is changing in the way it's being done, delivered, and priced, and the technology is allowing a lot more information. So moving away from compliance into advisory, compliance is always going to be here. We live in one of the most over-regulated countries in the world, so tax compliance isn't dead. Don't believe the scaremongers. <laughs> but, but what you do with the clients going forward and the demands they'll put on you is changing. And so we're going to spend a day with 100 great accountants in Noosa, the beautiful Sunshine Coast to talk about those things and it's an open forum. It's going to be great. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, look, thank you so much, Kev, for all of your time. In our show notes, we'll also link through to you so that if any of our listeners, accountants or otherwise, are interested in chatting to you, they can get straight in contact. And what website can they find you at, Kev, if they're keen to check it out now and not go through the show notes? Yeah, the simplest one is just kevryan.com.au. 
find me there and link through to our various divisions. But uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest one. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, you're, you're clearly a bit of a cool, relaxed dude there, Kev. This has been good. A very, <laughs> a great chat. And we'll put all of this information in our show notes. So thanks a lot, Kev. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having, having me. Great. Thanks. That wraps up our episode now with Kev Ryan of United. As a quick recap, in this episode, we talked about the massive demand for accounting practices out in the market, and we identified the diverse biodemographic in this space, which is really coming from all sorts of places. We also talked about the valuation multiples of a dollar-for-dollar revenue, and Kev then drilled into the importance of knowing your why before considering a sale, why you're selling and is selling the best thing to do, which I felt was a very interesting question for anyone who was pondering a sale. Then after the break, we flipped over to the buyer's side of the transaction and looked into the typical buyer demographic in this space, and then ran through examples of transactions that went really well, and those on the flip side that didn't. Now, If you're interested to hear more about this area and to hear more insights from Kev, then check out our show notes at www.thedealroompodcast.com where you'll find links to get in touch with Kev Ryan directly and learn more about the mini conference that they're hosting in October. As Kev mentioned earlier, the mini conference tackles the changes in the accounting practice where we're seeing a movement from tax compliance into more of an advisory role. Right, well, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, please subscribe now to the Deal Room podcast on your favorite podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, then perhaps please consider leaving an honest review on iTunes to help us reach more people. Well, look, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and The Deal Room, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen. We'll conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.